Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The sounds I'm making. There was a burp I heard you doing downstairs before, and it's it's like I don't know, like you burp with bravado sometimes. <laughs> it's it, it really feels like you're taking pride in the burp and I'm, like, I'm, making your presence felt with it. It can feel like so cleansing to get it out. So like I an can... exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll just feel like. <sighs> You should write to Gwyneth Paltrow and see if she'll feature it on Goop as a form of wellness therapy. I'd love that if you ran a retreat just with women, women burping. <laughs> because society has taught you not to burp. I think that's probably for the best. Was it Jesus Christ who said you should do one thing that terrifies you every day? Is that a Jesus Christ quote? It might have been Eleanor Roosevelt, but... The point is I did something very scary this week. Okay. I went to Parents' Evening without you. Yes. And there's this real thing for Parents' Evening that, like, you're both supposed to go. Mm. And I don't feel that anything that pivotal ever happens. I just think it's all bullshit. But don't you feel like if you go to Parents' Evening and you turn on the charm and make yourself the favourite parents, your kid's going to get, like, better education (laughs) off the teacher? But I feel like that's me perpetuating the cycle because I think that was my my mom's thing all the time was like, I'm the specialist parent (laughs) and my daughter is the specialist girl. And so I'm trying to not pass that on to my son. So what we've always done with teacher's evening is I go in, I try and do a little bit of small talk and then pretend to be interested in his school book, which I semi-am, but I'm only interested in like two pages of it. But then (laughs) these parents who pour over their children's workbooks. I do that. I really enjoy it. I know you do. And I like to look at one or two pages. It's sweet. And then it's like very redundant. Like he's he's very one note, our son. Like <laughs> in what he's giving. So I'm like, okay, that was a good story. But I don't know if I need to sit here and read an hour of stories. I'm, you know. Okay, should we talk about our guest on this episode? Jack Rook. He's the head honcho of Big Boys. And it's been gloriously reviewed. And we were, as we were thinking about upcoming guests, we were like, well, Jack Rook will have to do it. Like there's no way that Jack can tell us no. He's been for lunch. And then he didn't get back to you. And the reason he didn't get back to me is because I always think of Jack as really young, but I think he's probably around 30 now. Well, this is the thing. Someone who could be your child is still 30. (sighs) Anyway, I don't use WhatsApp. So I I message people Mm -hmm. and I've heard from a number of young people that when I do that, it can be a long time before they see the message because only their elderly relatives still use texts and iMessages. Who are all these young people that you're texting all the time? Yeah, my disciples. That's gross. Anyways, our guest this week is Jack Rock. The show is Big Boys. It is back for its second series on Channel 4. It's got a lot of heart to it, but it doesn't forget that it's a comedy and it's there to make you laugh. Quick watch. I, this week, decided to watch Cristobal Balenciaga. 
It's this new show on Disney Plus about the designer Balenciaga in the late 30s and early 40s. Okay, so I've definitely seen that name. I think on handbags, but it doesn't feel like one of the A-listers like Coco Chanel or Dolce and or Gabbana. And this is his relationship with Coco. Uh-huh. Is part of the the sort of origin story because it's about him leaving Spain during the Spanish Civil War, which I had to Google. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. I thought it was happening in like the 1880s. What about that guy Franco then? He doesn't seem like he was so great. (laughs) So it's, and I'm like, oh, that's what Picasso was up to with Guernica. (laughs) It's all coming together. And I feel really bad because it was Spanish Civil War, then World War II, right after these people didn't get a break. So he leaves Spain and it's about Balenciaga's Parisian years. Here's a problem I can sometimes have with these biopics. Uh-huh. To make the stakes high enough, they always position them as the man who changed history forever. Maybe a little bit, but it's not like Hitler would have never risen to power. <laughs> it's just that handbags would have looked a bit different. <laughs> so are we supposed to like Balenciaga? I know I should be saying Balenciaga, but I can't bring, bring myself to. Is, is he a likeable character? Is he an anti-hero? Oh, okay. So truth above all else, I've watched two out of six episodes. He is a genius. He's a genius. So he's reserved, but we're rooting for him. And what he's doing upon arriving in Gay Paris is he has to win the approval of this one fashion editor at this one magazine. So we see this little exchange where he's supposed to be getting them on side. And behind him, there's a couple, a married couple, who are the financial backers of the House of Balenciaga. And there's nothing cool about them. They just have the money. And the woman is in a Balenciaga design. And so she says... Actually, I'm wearing a Balenciaga right now. And you can see that Balenciaga himself is going, she's not doing my clothes any favors. It's all in the eyes. It's like when David Cameron said that he liked the Smiths and then Johnny Marr had to turn on him on Twitter. Yeah, and you know what? This is a triggering moment for me because we have a friend who is an online hair influencer. And he had, you know, a couple times a year will cut either of our hairs. And we're both always waiting for the moment for him to be like, let's shoot this. I'll put it on my social media feed. And he never turns to No, every day he's putting up videos of doing things with people's hair. Never hours. All he does is shoot video of haircuts and hairstyles and befores and after. It's either good looking people or it's famous people. And we don't fall into either of those categories. He also has normal people on. That's why it's so painful. If it was only ever famous people or models, and I'd be like, oh, I get it. We're not models and we're not famous people. And I think it's because no matter what, we're both befores. There's no situation in which we present as afters even when we're after we're always before now can you give me some nuts and bolts on this show so it's on disney plus and i wasn't watching it with you but i did wander in the room at one stage and is it not in english it starts off in spanish and i was like what are you doing and i i i'm i'm uh very happy with the sous-titre j'aime beaucoup les sous-titre it goes back and forth between spanish and french and my spanish what what is sous-titre a subtitle a sous-titre Oh, okay. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but I thought that's what you call a subtitle. You titre. I don't know. That might be completely wrong. But um, <laughs> but, I, you're, but you're not a philistine. You will watch subtitle stuff. But it was the the subtitles didn't immediately come on. Really offended me. I, what I was <laughs> appalled by was that I had to turn the subtitles on. <laughs> that was a bit of blackness in myself. I think it's a great show. Mm. It looks amazing. Is it sumptuous? It is so. <laughs> 
Yes, it is sumptuous. Why do we say that about television? That's so dumb. But it, that's exactly what it is, is saturated and sumptuous. And it looks fantastic. But I think it's one of these shows where if there was nothing else going on, I'd be like, oh, we should like really commit to this Balenciaga show. I think it's really quite good. But with other things like, ooh, are we up to date on the traders? Ooh, there's another episode of True Detective out. I think those things will take precedence, even though I think it is fine and sumptuous. My quick watch this week was provoked by just how bereft I feel after the curse has finished. Okay. I loved it so much. I think it was the first thing since Succession where I've thought, whatever this flavour is, I want more of this flavour. But where do I get it? And it's like, I can't let go now. It's finished. So tomorrow we're going to see the Emma Stone film. So I can get a bit more Emma Stone. You love her. I do love her. She makes you feel blushy, as we say in our family. (laughs) We're going on a date night. Mm -hmm. I hate that expression. Yeah, it is annoying. Like there's going to be a frisson between us. (laughs) That's going to end up in lovemaking. (laughs) Rather than it's just us going to the pictures and both struggling to stay awake through an entire film. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to do that tomorrow because I'm missing Emma Stone. And then for my quick watch this week... I watched Nathan For You because I'm missing Nathan Fielder. Now, this is an old show. I think it started 10 years ago at this point. Right. Do you feel embarrassed when you didn't see something the first time around? No. Do you you feel embarrassed? Yeah, I like to feel like I'm... uh, Yeah, you like to feel like you got your finger on the pulse. Yes. I don't have that to me. Got a good cultural radar. Yeah. Um, And this was his breakthrough show. And what it is, it's like a comedy reality hybrid. It's a spoof on those shows where somebody goes into an ailing business and fixes things. That's the premise. Right. But it's funny. Right. And his suggestions are ludicrous. Right. But I guess the sort of thing it's satirising is like Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. I used to watch that show and very quickly what I realised is it was just a lot of bullying. Uh-huh. I, um, years ago, went to one of his restaurants with an ex. Mm-hmm. On Valentine's Day. Boring. And she had to pop out after the main course to, to make a phone call. I'm sitting at the table on my own. The kitchen doors swing open. Out comes Gordon Ramsay with a tea towel over his shoulder, sweating. And he goes round different diners saying, hi, how was your meal? Do you enjoy it? Great to have you here. I see him do this around about four or five different tables. And then back into the kitchen he goes. And it's like something out of a cartoon because then 30 seconds later, she comes back into the restaurant. Uh. And... I'm, I'm bursting to town and saying, you will not believe what I just saw. Gordon just came out of the kitchen, did some glad handing, and, and now he's gone back in and you just missed him. And she said, well, you won't believe what I just saw. I was standing outside on the phone. A big SUV just pulled up. Gordon Ramsay jumped out, threw a tea towel God. over his shoulder, ran into the restaurant, and then three minutes later, I saw him leave and drive away again. So good. Now, I interviewed Gordon Ramsay once. I told him this story... Yeah, yeah. And I tried to present it like, you know, you're such a professional businessman. You're really conscious of your your customers appreciating Uh your restaurants. He did not have a sense of humour at all about it. He was so angry and tried to get his publicist to have that part of the interview removed. What a piece of shit. Yeah. So that's that's the world of television that Nathan for you is satirising. I don't think you'll watch it. I I don't think it's for you. Right. Okay. He's, you know, a genius. I think he has issues with women. 
What I, makes what makes you think that? I'll tell you exactly what makes me. You've think been doing that. your googling. I think he was married to someone, sort of relatively young, and then got divorced and has had no public romantic situations since then. That could be very, very, very healthy. Just keeping your private life out of the public eye. Let me ask you a question: uh-huh. When you've enjoyed somebody's work, what is the little research tour that you go on? Is oh. it straight to Wikipedia? Well, as you know, I'm a terrible online researcher. But is your first put of call... Go- Wikipedia personal life section. So you don't look at the body of work first, you look at the personal life section. I don't understand how anyone has ever gone down to Wikipedia ever without immediately jumping ahead to the personal life section. When I was looking up at the Spanish Civil War before, I, I had to remind myself it didn't have a personal life section. because. <laughs> but even- what did Franco's wife look like? Yes, and I said this to a friend once, and she's like, she doesn't allow it until she's read all the information on the Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. And then it's like her little treat that she gets because she's had her, her intellectual workout, and then she gets her little sweet afterwards. So if you don't think I'm going to watch it, then when are you going to watch it? Here's what I'd like. Mm-hmm. To fill little gaps you know so so say for example after i put our son to bed but before i ate my dinner instead of sitting looking at animal videos yes on reels and tiktok maybe i can fill 20 minutes with these because they're they're short but i do really like watching videos of capybaras it's all my husband and my son will talk to me about right now in fact my my phone has started showing me capybaras the, (laughs) the word is being said around our house so much we'd love to hear from you are you watching balenciaga Are you finding it to be sumptuous? What adjectives does it really annoy you when people use them with relation to TV shows? Well, sumptuous, but the second you said it, I went, yeah, it's sumptuous. Also, are there worlds that you are simultaneously attracted to and repelled by? The the fashion world being the example here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I feel like that about private jets. Uh uh They're awful, terrible for the environment. And the interiors look like business lounges in mid-range hotels. And yet if somebody said to me, I need you to uh, fly to visit me in Zurich for a meeting and I'm sending the private jet for you, I would be made up. I'd feel like it was a bucket list thing. Yeah, yeah, same. Oh, on me watching Nathan for you as a way of prolonging the curse, have you got any good prolonging suggestions? So, for example, for people who really enjoyed The Bear and they have to wait for the next series, mm-hmm. what what's the thing you can go to to get a bit more of that. I mean, you could always watch Ratatouille in the throes of a panic attack. Just wait until you're like feeling really bad in yourself and then put on Ratatouille. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The email address is? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Now, this is normally the point where I'd plug the Patreon, but you know what you're supposed to be doing. I did not have a rush of new Patreon supporters this week, and I'm going to be honest about that. For those of you who joined I Love You, thank you so much for being the rich person who stepped up in a difficult time. The rest of you, what the fuck? I know you're out there. Where is my money? But what if they're not the rich ones? Could could, could they be doing anything for us? Okay, what an interesting question that you've asked. So you listen, you think, Sarah, I really, really love you, but I don't have the money for that. Or maybe you think you're not a joiner. And I get that completely because I would never fucking join anything. I wouldn't join a march. I wouldn't join a cause. I don't show up for people. I don't want to be in any club. So I am you. Here's what you could do. You could tell a friend. You could all tell one person, hey, you know what? I've been listening to this podcast and it's like about TV, but they kind of talk about it in a tertiary level. (laughs) 
But then also, like, they talk about their bodies and they're gross. And it's a married couple, but she's always talking about wanting to fuck other dudes. It's just, it's got a really nice texture to it. You could tell a friend. And the reason we're doing this is we need to start doing some live shows. But we don't want to do bullshit. We want to do nice shit. Be able to do some nice shit. We need more listeners in every corner of the globe. So other podcasts are asking you to go on iTunes and write a review and and give some stars. I don't give a shit. we're, we're, We're not. We're asking you to get out there. Get out there and do a little teeny tiny campaign. Knocking on doors. Yes. Pretend you've popped around for a social visit. And then if you all do that, then we can hit the road. But I should point out, if you are one of the riches and you don't want to go to the effort of evangelizing. Join the Patreon and then I'm going to start going for everyone else on the 1st of Feb. Patreon.com stroke they like to watch. And a reminder that coming up later, he's a lovely boy. We've seen him go from lovely boy to man about town. Creator of Big Boys Series 2 is on Channel 4 at the moment. It's Jack Rook. Well, we did what I think a lot of people will have done this week, which is scanned the list of Emmy winners for something that we might have missed. And the thing that immediately stood out was Beef, which I think we watched one episode of but never went back to. Yes. And we were wrong. We were wrong. It's created by Lee Sung Jin. I checked out his Wikipedia. He has written on a few series. He is married and lives in Los Angeles with three cats and his wife. See, I w- see what I would want to know then is also how long he'd been with the wife for and how long they were together before the wedding. And was it three cats all at once? These are the things I'd really like to know more than what else he's worked on. It feels relevant to say that it is a predominantly Asian-American cast, but I have nothing to say about that other than, oh, I like that. Great. Its two stars are Ali Wong, who is a stand-up comedian. And, you know, there's no such thing as an overnight success. But I would say she blew up globally out of nowhere because of a Netflix special some years ago. That's not to say she wasn't playing the clubs and playing the theatres for years in the States. But outside of the States, we got to know because of that Netflix special. Yes, she was pregnant. It was called Baby Cobra. And it was fantastic. Do you feel that as you get older, the the only career hope that you manage to retain is the idea of just blowing up suddenly out of nowhere? Oh. Because you're running out of runway. And now suddenly, like, very, very occasionally, people do have star turns in their 40s or even their early 50s. And in a way, I feel that's the worst possible message for someone like me. Now, Ali Wong plays a a rich lady who is on the verge of becoming a very rich lady because she's about to sell her business. Yeah, so she's like a rich lady, but she works all the time and maybe she can sell. I think she can sell it for 10 million, which means she can stop working forever. And the other star is Stephen Yun, who is a that guy. He said, oh, that guy who's been in that thing. I think uh, Walking Dead was the thing that most people got to know him from. But you sort of see the face and can't quite place him. He he plays a handyman who is kind of struggling to get by and as a consequence of that sometimes embroils himself Mm. in low-level scammery. It's very uptown girl, downtown man, that's what I am. Their their lives intersect with a road rage incident and you think it's going to turn into this wily Coyote and Roadrunner escalation thing, but it, it doesn't quite that. And really it's about rage, isn't it? Yeah. It's about rage and it's about the fact that no one's ever really right or wrong. Everyone's being a bit of a shit. That is what provides the momentum. And it kind of leads to them stalking each other, both physically 
and digitally. It's, is that something you relate to, stalking your enemies? Well, can I say, I just want to say generally, I feel that I've grown out of, like, that's the woman that I was, truly. That's the woman that I was in my 20s and maybe even my 30s. But in my 40s, in my 40s, what I have learned is that if someone is a figure of hatred, I do not look them up. Because it's not useful to bring that toxicity into my temple of a body. (laughs) But when I was younger, I had this um, friend who had a boyfriend who I hated. He was just a complete piece of shit. And so my friends and I, we like paid some amount of money to get a credit report run on him. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out that he'd, he'd spent so beyond his means that it, there was no point at which he could ever buy a car or buy, buy anything actually expensive until he paid the government back all the money that he owed. Anyway, I never love this story because I think as per my thing about if, if there's an escalation, it's because no one's behaving well. So I don't think that I'm behaving well by paying $30. <laughs> I pooled it with my friends. We all put in $10 so that we could find out whether how much debt this guy was in. But it, it was because he was disgusting. <laughs> but I think part of the idea that is so human in this show is that, like... Things make you crazy. Yes, it's it's about how someone can really get under your skin. Yes. To the extent that she gets involved in catfishing. Yes. Now, I know people are vulnerable, but what I never understand is how anybody has the self-esteem to think, oh, I think this could be real. If you've got a DM from a very good-looking person who was just coming at you out of nowhere, wouldn't you just think, no, no, this wouldn't happen to me. No, I know, but this is how vulnerable people are, Jeff. Where are they getting the self-confidence from, though, if they're that vulnerable and delusional? No, it's not self-confidence. It's delusional. It's like too disconnected from reality. I I would see a message like that and think, oh, come on, I'm disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Why would anybody send me a message like this? Well, but but I I think you have the self-awareness to understand that. But I think this is to the credit of the show is that it feels... Everything about it that feels insane, you see how it got there. And the the guy who's who is susceptible to the catfish is gorgeous. I mean, uh, gorgeous. So you see how with him he'd go, oh, yeah, some like hot girl wants to like fuck me tonight. Just talked about that before. I have known very good looking people with these stories of other very good looking people just coming up to them in public and saying, hey, should we go to a hotel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's like moving through the world with that kind of beauty is like um, like if you're playing a video game and you have a shield that protects you. It's like someone finding you gross, which is something that most normal people deal with. Like, oh, but I could be physically rejected and that would kill me. You just, that part of human experience is off the table for you. So there, there's so much safety in going, hey, want to go fuck? But if you were single yeah. and you were, I hate the word horny, but if that was how your body was feeling and you were hanging out in some location and a woman came in and said, would you like to just have sex? Would it feel kind of alluring and interesting? This like, wouldn't happen to somebody like me. Oh, honey, I think you deserve that to happen if I die tomorrow. Thank you. Well, if that happens and anybody wants to turn up at the funeral and uh, tap me on the shoulder. Like out of pity almost because your wife just died. In some ways, I feel like every fuck I've ever had has been a pity fuck. I don't think I've ever fucked you out of pity. I fucked you out of a sense of duty. <laughs> but that's different to pity. Now, Ali Wong's character, Amy, is married. And the husband is a bit of a mummy's boy. 
He has a, a, a sleepover with his mummy, invites his mum around for a sleepover. Men who love their moms love themselves for loving their moms, and they can all go fuck themselves, yourself included. I do you know it's like if if I was if I was advising my young self on like what to look for in a partner, I'd be like. Look out for men who love their moms. But it is a young mind that goes, oh my God, he loves his mom. That's so great. A fucking grown woman looks at that situation and goes, no, 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 no. Because you're all fucking so into yourselves for being into your mom. I'm not. You are. May she rest in peace. R.I.P. But I'm not in love with myself for that. I just love my mom. I know. It's so annoying. I wish you didn't love her so much. Like, the problem with motherhood is that you set this situation up where you're someone's entire universe. And then if you do it right, they don't fucking need you anymore. And you're going to be a little hurt and it should just all get a little difficult. But that's healthy. And if there isn't any friction and you just think... Your mom is great. To me, it's a sign of dysfunction. Well, if this reassures you at all, I don't think there's any danger of our son feeling like that's about you. You're just trying to hurt me <laughs> because I hurt you because you're so close hurt to people your mom. hurt people. Yes, I hurt you, and so you're trying to hurt me back. Now we should say that beef is just a limited series; it's just a one-off. But the creator, this Lee Sung Jin, was asked about this at the Emmys. And he was saying, who, who knows, if Netflix want a conversation, maybe there's something we they could do. They have to do another one. It sounds like the next one will be a whole, it'll, like the, they're kind of going to Fargo or True Detective it, I think is how it's going to go. But I was, um, I was blown away by it. I really was. And I, I entered into it going like, I'm just not excited about it. And then five episodes later, I was like, oh, can I stay up a little late to watch one more? <laughs> Have you watched Beef? What did you think? Also, can you tell us anything more about this Lee Sung Jin? As far as I can see, he's he's written on other shows, but there isn't another thing that is his baby, particularly. But I'm very excited to see. What an impressive what first was, born. Yeah, really, really great. Send us an email, please. Fuck off at firecrashandnormcore.com. And coming up next, creator of Big Boys, which had me in floods of tears. The last episode had me sobbing alone in the middle of the night. And then I had to wake you up the next morning and show it to you so that you could sob along with me. Yeah, and I, need, I needed no context for sobbing. That's yeah. how well constructed it was as a piece of TV. Yeah, it's Jack Rook. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You, when you were 19, yeah. you gave yourself a penile cyst. No, it wasn't a penile. It was a, scro- it was it was a, a testicular. Scrotal. Oh, I'm so sorry. A I, tes- found, I found a lump. A lump in your testicles. Yeah, and I thought I thought I had the big C. But in fact... But in fact, I just needed to masturbate more. He was Did masturbating. I th- took a period of... Um, abstinence. Abstinence. That's the interesting like part. Like a monk. 
Yeah, but I think how, how long was the period? I tell you what, it, it was about two and a half weeks actually. I really fancied this guy at uni, and he didn't fancy me back. And I was like, oh. "This is how I get over it: is just go cold turkey, uh-huh. get away from it." And I think I was so depressed anyway, so my sort of libido was generally quite low. Okay. So, but yeah, but then I like medically played havoc with myself because you were too backed up it was too backed up uh-huh. now another thing i will say <laughs> is that i've also had other lumps Show on my where? testicles oh and it's why it's very important to check your testicles any young men listening yeah i think i'm past the age where i need to worry about it now i think i've got prostate coming yep. yeah i think that's prostate. the one to... the king's prostate, prostate is happening yeah it? the king's prostate right now is so fucking big it's trending <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know. I'd like to be able to see that was small... the name of my band in college. The King's Prostate is so, so fucking, fucking big. big. <laughs> How is your flow? I mean, I'm guessing a man of your age. My flow. Then you get when you, when you go for a pee. It's oh no, gushy, so, it's still gushing. So, out, I turned. You know, I turned thirty, 30. last year. Wow. This and is funny because I think I always think of Jack as one of the the babies, the, um, but, the babies. but now now like people anymore. like Kat Sadler who we had on and Lee, Leo Reich to yeah. to them you're an elder statesman to them I'm yeah I'm, I'm Princess Di I died in '97 no um yeah so well, I turned thirty and everything changed and when I wee I've got to stand there for a good uh, two three more seconds to ensure that every drop is out. No when dribble. was the last time you shot yourself? A while ago now, actually. I haven't shot myself in a really long time. In 24? Have you shot yourself in 24? In 2024? Mm-hmm. No, oh. I don't think I shot myself in the 2020s, to be honest. Really? I think it's something I learned oh, that's in the previous for you. decade. Oh, really? Mm. Shit yourself. Mm. I'm not mm. sure that all men shit themselves the way no, that you I do. No, I don't think they do. But there's de- <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I just <laughs> want to make the point. I mean, I know I brought this on myself, but I think the, the way you can actually call it shitting yourself happens to me. Not even once every two years. It's like men have skids. Like, I don't know how yeah, much no, how I think, you no, want to no, go no, Yeah, It's like, I feel like what I really need to do more of is what dogs do when they kind of drag themselves across the floor. It's a real wipe. I, and I know, genuinely fully. think, like, there are all these <laughs> things that that straight men who have... In other words, if, if, if you have a woman partner, there's all this stuff that just gets done for you and you don't quite even know what's happening but it just happens for you and one of the things that is never gonna happen for you is your wife actually coming in there and making sure that asshole is fucking clean and these guys are maintained i'm not i mean it jack these men are maintained in so many other ways but i'm not gonna wipe your asshole and they're not used to caring for themselves. And so when they absolutely have to, they do a half-assed job. No pun intended. Oh no, I'll tell you one thing I think like, I never that learned. That was inspiring. Was it? That was like America Ferrera's speech in Barbie. Oh. That was absolutely inspiring. Greta and we're not even getting up. the video of this. But I think, I think it's more that there are some things I just never learned to do properly, like time of laces. I'm not oh, sure no, no, we no, 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 no. I'm not jam. sure that I do. Also, I sometimes think, maybe I want... Is there a YouTube video? Are they allowed to put that on YouTube? There is no woman looking looking after my... Mm-hmm. laundry or my there's yes. a, you know to, to like it's odd that we've spoken about testicular lumps and yes. skid marks yes 
both feature in series two of Big Boys. Yes. In that one time, I did have a hookup with a guy, and it's written in Big Boys in a slight way in episode two. And we were both wearing so many of the same clothes. We were both exactly the same personality type. And the only way that I could tell my pants from his pants when putting them back on was that his had the most repulsive skid mark in them I've ever seen. And I was like, that ain't mine. That ain't mine. No. Do you, pr- do you pride yourself on the cleanliness of your asshole? Have you received asked, compliments? I've been asked that before. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, to be, to be completely honest, you know, in, in the modern world that we live in today, uh, post-COVID, I am proud to have a clean arse. Congratulations. Because during lockdown one, I'm not sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at your BAFTA nominations I know. and a clean I've really anus. Yeah. Since I knew you both, but both, like the last time I was probably here, I was such a sort of miserable blob of a boy. I was gregarious, but quite annoying. Whereas no. now I've I never sort found of... you annoying. I truly have. You're, no, You're a charmer. You're a charmer. met, I felt like <laughs> this guy's story is. He's a young up and comer. So at the time you would have been like 24. I mean, this is years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. And it was like you thought something was going to happen for you professionally that hadn't happened. And yeah. you'd come out the other side of that being like, oh, I think I thought I was going to be the 23-year-old who. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. that didn't happen. And you got knocked around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out the other side. And now whatever was supposed to happen happened with big boys. Bath yeah. noms, five stars, the world loves it, and here you are. And how hard is it, is a hot young thing, to find the time to write? Do you know what? It's one of those weird things whereby um, I've really never been quite able to... I've never managed to do any work until the day before it, it mm. was handed in. I'm the same with my taxes, and the same with emails, and the same yeah. with everything. I leave everything to the last minute because I find everything so overwhelming. Yeah. I can't string much stuff together i know how to show run and run a set and write scripts so then why does the other stuff matter particularly it matters to me in a sort of way that because i've pretty much always been single i need to better myself at being able to look after myself more that is definitely a realization i had post covid is being like okay if i'm in this for the long haul of life as a single person I need to be able to better function and look after myself. And that's definitely something that I struggle with on an ongoing basis. Do you feel that at 30 you can know that you're in it for the long haul as a single person? I think when I look at the sort of um, queer people who I know and their lives and the ones that I admire and the ones that I think get to creatively do what they want and the ones that i see having the happiest lives they are single mm-hmm. i kind of go wow well, these the people who i really look up to they tend to be sort of by themselves and doing it i tell you what out of the small periods of where i have dated someone i've realized that i'd much rather be more myself than be with the wrong person it makes me feel like i'm wasting their life you and to wasting you, don't mine. You? No, but I, mean, I, I don't I mean think, in the case of me. No, but I, but I think tolerate me. That's You're stuck in a rut with me. <laughs> yeah, no, we have a child together. I don't make enough money to be independent. But I think that's a thing a lot of people say and don't mean really. I think some people say it out of fear, whereas I'm saying it out of trying to be smart and intelligent and and future plan in the right way. And what Does you that want, make sense? yeah, like, and not, also just thinking I'm about. Sort of, what you want your life to be, right? Yeah. Like, as you say, you if, look at these people. If and... someone came along, fantastic. If they've slotted in correctly, brilliant. But I don't think I want to rely on that being something that's inevitably going to happen. Because a lot of the kind of 
queer idols of mine don't have that and what they have is a combination of you know they're able to fulfill their creative ambitions and but they also have like a sort of chosen family so to speak hey can i ask how did you get so good at writing for an ensemble because i think especially the second series i mean both both series it's good ensemble cast but it feels more of that of that in the second series and yeah. you know your background is writing for yourself or you, you know yourself and your nan yeah I've realised that I'm less self-indulgent than I thought I was. I thought all of my early work that I did was, here's one-man shows about my life, and they're really me, the ticket is me, come on down. And then the older I've got, the more I've gone, this sort of feeling of oversharing doesn't actually, it's not really my drive in the way that I thought it was. And I think when I started performing around 20. 15 2016 the oversharing thing was the trend it was mm. like who can share their trauma the deepest hardest and biggest mm. and now i really like even though i've you know even though i've been bullied by sarah into talking about my lumpy testicles i did, really, I, did, I, did really <laughs> I really appreciate privacy and i really appreciate being more choosy with what i personally share for myself so I think really I've been able to flex a muscle with big boys of writing stuff and giving it to other people to be the face of. I love characters and I love like writing about them and all their potential flaws and in all their glory and whatever. And that I think I've realized is more of a buzz to me, which I oddly find refreshing because I thought I was an unbearable show off. But trying to be that didn't make me as happy as it is giving it to other people. One of the things I really respect about big boys is I feel like you're really showcasing the world you're from as well. And and like if I may um, sort of play the chip on my shoulder at this point, I just when I see authentic working class life presented on television, I feel like I'm breathing fresh air because it's so often done wrong. I, I heard a great saying once that I can't remember where the quote is from. So um, ap- apologies to whoever sa- said or wrote this, but it was like most television is what people who've been to university think that people who haven't been to university want to watch. Yeah, And like Big Boys has nothing of that to it i may have mentioned that i'm working class before yeah, now, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it feels even though circumstances are very different it feels like going home in a way that television often doesn't that's the nicest thing anyone could say to me i find that the highest compliment because i think about that stuff the most when i'm writing it yeah think about how like i don't just want everyone to constantly be defined by their jobs like i want people to be defined by how they love each other and how yeah. they people from that background celebrate the naffness because there's such a lot of naffness to it. And it's my, naff is my favourite word. Yeah, yeah, Things yeah. Things a bit naff. I'm like, yeah, but there's a real beauty in that. And yeah. There's a real like communal, We say, you say we before me type thing. And that runs sort of throughout the, the heart of Big Boys. And that's the thing that I, I, I actually think it's the thing I have to fight for the most. That's what we used to have the issue when we were trying to get the show off the ground is people didn't think it was authentic that like a shy gay guy would be friends with a straight lads lad and i was like well i'm, I'm sorry but that, that i'm writing it from real direct truth like it's yeah not, yeah i can't I'm, i would love to invent a more <laughs> yeah, yeah. tv version <laughs> but no like these straight men have been in my life and they've they've made me feel more like that word like seen yeah yeah and being with a gregarious bunch of flamboyant gay men like i felt more directly connected to them and it's because we're not just defined by sexuality we're defined by background and cultural interests and class and race and all these different things that that extend beyond you know wanking and sex 
Can I ask you about the final episode? Now, I generally get annoyed when comedy tries to do anything other than make me laugh, but I was in floods of tears and I really felt like you earned it and it, it was so beautifully structured and I don't want to give it away, but can you talk to us a bit about how you approached that episode specifically? I, I, I wanted to write something that was so positive about grief and so like that really... The the only way that you truly get over the death of somebody so huge to you is to remember that like a million more people are going to come into your life. That episode <sighs> particularly is like, hey, we we go on. Like I think what I really liked is to have moments with my nan. So when I first went up to Edinburgh, my nan co-wrote my first Edinburgh show with me. She was in loads of videos and video footage and it was all, you know, it's called Good Grief and I had a floral coffin on stage and we talked about buttering saurine and our favourite comfort foods and at the heart of it was about me talking about losing a parent and her talking about losing a child. Because, you know, never in a comedy, I think, has anyone done you know elderly parent losing a kid yeah that's and a lot i don't think i lot. knew that's what that was about that's so intense yeah it's <laughs> i'm sorry to make you both cry but at the very end of the credits of episode six it's dedicated to my name mm. because i was like to me that's such a story that we don't ever hear and we don't allow for i just think about the weight that you carry so if you're going, this has been my story for all these years that I've told. It's like, I'm this guy and my dad died when I was young and I'm going to turn that into art. Yeah. The fucking weight that must be on you to feel like you're doing that pain justice yeah. is extraordinary. It's not very healthy. I'll agree. Like, I don't oh, think, I, I think over the, well, no, as in over the years, I have really struggled I've struggled with the pilot. I've struggled with facets of doing live shows. And, and I've really, you know, been, it's been, I've had a very up and downy, difficult type relationship with this idea that I've overshared or this idea that I've made work solely about this one topic. But I do, I slightly sometimes, especially with that final episode, I'm like, okay, it was worth it. Because it I learned, I learned how to shape it, and I and I failed so many times before, and I think the more times you do, sort of ha have those um, failures in articulation, let's say, to give it a nice posh yeah. sort of you yeah, know, term, that the more you find exactly what you want to say. I think this idea of oversharing is really interesting, and I say this like as an overshare. I don't know if we even still use that word, but like, yeah, what like an overshare doesn't exist as an idea to me because it's either you've either told a story well or you haven't yeah, and if you yeah, tell yeah. an anecdote well then there's nothing that's that's nothing that's an overshare because it's just interesting and yeah. it's just good for people to get to hear your shit if it's interesting and if you tell a story poorly then nothing is interesting i i, I think my my thing about oversharing is that it's timing you know, you're totally right. Nothing is an overshare, but the time in which you share it cannot be the right conditions where you yourself as the storyteller right. and the audience aren't yes. ready to hear it and aren't safe in some of those admissions. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas I think now, I think, you know, anything I had maybe wanted to say about grief, I've sort of been able to say now. And I'm really excited to not 
not write about those Not things. be a grief guy. Not what are you going to be guy? if you're not a grief air guy? Fryers. Air fryers are hot. Air fryers, I love air fryers. <laughs> Who are you if you're not a grief guy, do you think? I know, I know the things that I want to write and I know the things that I've got kind of coming up, but, but I don't, I've had 12 years to fail Let's say that. Like I've had 12 years. And you don't have another 12 years to fail. I don't have another 12 years to fail. So maybe all the lessons that I learned in writing about grief or trying to articulate the Jack and Danny, Jack and his dad experience, let's say, you know, maybe that is enough for me to go into the next thing. I fought for it and I've got back on the horse and blah, 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 blah. But like I could have gone, well, this is it. I'm shit. I'm fucking shit. I'm not doing it. Fuck this. Like... And I had all of those feelings. I had all of those thoughts mm-hmm. where I was like, fuck this, I'm not putting myself through this humiliation. If they don't fucking want... Like, I, I was quite scrappy in a yeah. way that I almost miss now. <laughs> but, but you know, I persisted. And I think it's just as important to sort of celebrate all those little failures on the route to it. Because you do... You have to persist. You have to just back yourself. And, and you know, I think... Um, Maybe that if the next thing I write is shit, great. Like maybe that's freeing great. in a way. In a way, well, you sh- can you share with us what you're what what's percolating, or does that feel very private to you? I don't think I would. The, I it's think more private to you than your testicular cyst. My, my testicular cyst. I'm happy to be out in the world, but what I want to do next, I think I'd like to keep. It's to very. Private. Is it a children's book about a testicular more. cyst? It's a, it's a book exclusively for 19 year olds trying a period of non non. <laughs> uh, it's a very niche audience, but. Will you tell us, um, what have you been watching at the moment? I love documentaries, like the Carolina Hearn documentary that came out over Christmas. To me, it like gave me the biggest energy boost in the world because I was like, you are phenomenal. Yeah. Like, she, to me, is like the one. Yeah. And I, and I feel a real sort of, um, like, that final episode of Big Boy Series 2, if there was anything that inspired me, it's the Queen of Sheba episode yeah. of the Royal Family. Yeah. I fa- think that is my favourite episode of television yeah. of all time. That and maybe like joint with the Derry Girls finale that I also thought about the Good Friday. Do you know, we haven't finished perfect. the Derry Girls, have we? must go back to that. Cause I like, do you know when you like a show, but then you end up not watching the rest of it? Yeah, that I don't know what happened lot. to us it with Derry Girls. But, um, Veep is one of my favourite shows of all time. That would be my dream next thing to write is something similar to Veep. What a dear. He is a little dear. Do you know what we never asked him about? Go on. When he was making that first series of Big Boys, mm-hmm. he floated the idea of our son maybe being used in some flashback sequences mm-hmm. as a young Jack. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, that never happened. Well, we're not letting our son near the small screen, are we? Don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs Worthington. No. But But uh, think of the revenue stream, though. We could be like Britney Spears' dad. <laughs> This is one of the many reasons I hate shows with children, because I can't even watch the child. Maybe in the future they'll be able to have all child actors done by CGI. Oh, see, that would be terrible, though. I would imagine that as a grown person, like as the adult in that scene, that would be horrible for you. But generally, child labour is frowned upon. Except in the entertainment industry, yeah, where it's... there are protections in place. Oh but... my God, it's so fucked. So you don't think it's worth broaching the subject of Big Boys Series 3 with Jack then? For our child? I don't think so. Has the email been sparking joy for you this week? I have mixed feelings because I haven't had enough new Patreon supporters this week. 
But let's, let's let's accentuate the positive. Why do you feel happy? Because we had a lot of good email this week. Okay, let's delve into it. And then. I'll just remind everyone is that if that's what you have to offer is really excellent email. I am so 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 supportive of that. It does also spark joy for me. And you take that energy that you found to email us and you tell just one friend. This first email is from Lindsay, who writes, "Dearest FC and NC, I hope you're well." Heart emoji. I know I sound crazy, but it's really bothering me that you said you still have a Christmas wreath up. Are you not afraid of the curse of Twelfth Night? <laughs> what is the curse of Twelfth Night? I don't even know. I don't know. And I know it's considered bad luck to leave your Christmas decorations up after the Twelfth Night. And if you do so, you're supposed to leave them up till Easter, somebody once told me. But I don't know what the curse is. That something bad is going to happen to me. Is that thing still up? After we were targeted victims of a hate crime, just for being sweet, I thought, all right, kids. There's one thing here I can get rid of, and it's the wreath, so I'll take it down. So it is now down. Lindsay continues, maybe the Christmas tree thugs are trying to send a message that you need to take all that shit down to not aggregate the spooky spirits. Not quite. I think they were like, who's this bitch? Who's this nice bitch, said these shitty kids. They weren't trying to ward off evil spirits. No, they were fucking with me because they knew I was sweet, and that made me vulnerable. (laughs) Or were they spooky spirits? She said no. Or were they Natalie Portman's mates? Fair enough. I can't help it that I say the truth. (laughs) She says, please think about taking it down. Already did it. I want you to sleep easy, Lindsay. She continues. I totally agree with Sarah about Peter Capaldi. Who amongst us wouldn't suck him dry? That is disgusting. How do you know what? I would. I don't know. Lindsay, that is not disgusting. But my fantasy with him. Was it BJ related? (laughs) Please. Too much. Well, it's just I, mean, I, I don't mind you having the thoughts. I think sometimes when you would articulate them in front of me, I do just feel a, a wee bit too cuckolded. No, that's fair. And I don't want to make you feel that way. And actually, that isn't quite how I feel about him. I really didn't want Lindsay to have said something bold. And then I didn't want to shame her. Uh-huh. So I thought better that she feels like she's safe and she can she can write to me with something like suck him dry. And I'll be like, hey, party girl. And that to me is more important than you feeling safe. I see. We got a few emails this week that were saying, thank you, yes, Peter Capaldi. What a public service you're providing. I just didn't want her to feel like I'd goaded her and then went, ew, wait, you're gross. Totally obsessed with the traitors. Would love to know your thoughts on last night's funeral episode. I mean, I think it was generally thought of as one of the great episodes of reality TV that has ever happened. And so bizarre. Finally. Lindsay finishes, as a Patreon supporter, I must big you guys up and say that the written lists are so handy when you're trying to find something to watch in the evening and you're knackered and starving and your husband is annoying and your brain isn't working. Love you guys. I love you too, Lindsay. This comes from Rachel Mendoza, who says, hey, FCNNC, just listened to today's episode and I'd like Jeff to know that 101 is the non-emergency police number. I've used it several times, including to report youths who look like ne'er-do-wells. This, this is interesting. I think I have some vague awareness of the bigger number, but it not being very effective. What I want is the number of the desk sergeant at the local police station. Uh-huh, I don't want to uh-huh. go through to a call centre uh-huh. and I can say, you know, the dry cleaner's there on the corner of the high street. I, I saw somebody's eyebrows were very close together. He looked like he was up to something. Maybe you could just send somebody to walk... Walk up and down, like give him a once over. Do you feel that's more of a thing in American films? You will have a local sheriff who is just enraged oh. by the presence of young people. Mm-hmm. They like, are annoying. I've also noticed when we're in the States, you are very scared of the police. Oh, yeah. I As a privileged white woman f- from an affluent suburb. I think it's because my only real interactions with the police, as a privileged white woman from an affluent suburb, 
is um, when I, so I drove avidly for two years from the age of 16 when I got my license to 18 when I went you, away. You did it avidly, were you? I was avidly doing it. <laughs> I do not have a light touch with an adverb. I've never said about myself. Um, it was avidly, avidly driving all the time. And in those two years, I got so many speeding tickets. That's strange that that would provoke a fear of the police, not a fear of going above the speed limit. Well, but that is, you you now talk about how I'm such a cautious driver. Which I like. I'm just always worried about getting in trouble. The next email comes from, it's a Nepo moment. It's my brother. So for context here, last week you were talking about houses that get rented out to use in TV and film shoots. What do they get paid? Mm. Sam wrote in with no niceties, no warming us up. He just goes straight in. House used, like he's dropping words. He's not even writing in a full sentence. Like he's sending a telegram. Yes. (laughs) House used in season two. (laughs) House used in season two of The Bear for the Christmas dinner episode is three and a half blocks away. Price paid per day of filming is 7000 plus covering costs of any damages done. And then he writes, I've, I've heard that often inflated and previously extent damages are claimed. Oh, which I is bet really, they are. really interesting because if you've got a house that people want to use in a TV show, it's probably nice. Mm. So you probably don't need another two grand. But it's only like when you go to Edinburgh for the month and you always end up damaging the accommodation you stay in. In the first one, yes, we caused some damage. My son, he's a toddler at the time, and he got his hands on a highlighter and he drew a circle about the size of like a 50p coin onto the sofa. It was very good. It was a very, very round very circle. talented. And so we, I was open about that. And I said, you know, I wanted to, you know, spirit of full disclosure, let you know. It escalated to the owner saying that we needed to buy them an entirely new sofa for like a thousand pounds or something. We wound up not getting the security deposit back. So we paid like 500 pounds because of that fucking circle. Oh, and by the way, it was a, res- a reversible cover. So like all they needed to do so you didn't see the damage was flip it over. I still think we owed them money, but they were fucking ins- It's like, if that's how you are, then don't fucking rent your house out, you pieces of shit. And this comes from Sarah Morgan, regular correspondent during the Firecrutch and Normcore succession days, who says, um, I finally motivated myself to write in again when I found myself shouting back at the podcast in my head when you were talking about the missions on traitors. Hate. Everyone hates them. Why are they so terrible? This moment of roaring Butchness amidst all the lovely backstabbing camp of it all. The mission bits have the air of bleak British family telly in the 80s. Challenge Annika, we're the champions of the Krypton Factor. Yes, it is exactly that. Uh, All wet ropes and shouting in tracksuits. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Like having to watch a PE lesson. Yes. It is exactly that thing. Yes, Sarah Morgan. She adds, and I think this is brilliant, here's my pitch. If the tasks are there to encourage teamwork... What if they got Alex Horn to donate old Taskmaster tasks? I would love to watch them make a one-minute stag night or impress the mayor of Chesham. That's brilliant, Sarah. If she needs to know if we know that that's brilliant, we do. Anyway, I've started the US version now, and I reckon that if I fast-forward through the missions, we can blaze through it in a day, so there's that. Sarah also included an article on the curse finale. She says, I fucking loved it. I haven't read the article. I know you... It's really, really good. So it's the... Here's what you should Google is the Daily Beast... The curse finale ending explained. 
This week, Jack Rook liked to watch Carolina Hearn, Queen of Comedy, on BBC iPlayer, and Veep, which is HBO, which means you can get it on Sky and Now TV here, or buy episodes on Apple TV or Amazon or whatever, which you really must. Sarah watched Cristobal Balenciaga on Disney+. Plus. I watch Nathan For You on Amazon Prime, and we watch Beef, which is on Netflix. It's time for us to go into the gale force winds. We're in the storm. We're all in the storm over here. It's very cold everywhere in the Northern Hemisphere. So cuddle up as the storm blows round you. I'm going into Richard mode. Cuddle up as the storm blows round. Put a put a blanket over yourself. I'm picturing, oh my God, I saw a youth crocheting at a gig the other day. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone crochet something you would want to own? <laughs> I never want to think about how something's been made. And crochet <laughs> always makes me think about the process. Anyway, I, I truly, when I'm not to just be a little bitch, I celebrate all of us staying off our devices in whatever way we can, especially when the storm is coming. So you put your new blanket, you grab that adult coloring book, you do whatever you do to keep yourself away from the dangerous edge over which you could fall. And enjoy this podcast and stay safe out there. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.